Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast post-game in the Losers Lounge. A frustrating game, a frustrating podcast ahead of you, I suspect. But the Avs fall to the Dallas Stars 5-2 to two in a game where the score does not represent the game at all, in my opinion. Um, let's do this in chronological order because I think this just makes the most sense. The Avs were utterly dominant in the first period. I mean, this was two teams on two completely different levels in the first period, top to bottom. True. So, that they out. I think the official number was the outshot the Stars twenty to six in the first period, and it did not look like two even teams. The problem there being, for all of that, the Avs only had one goal to show for it. Yep. And then going into going into that intermission, uh, I said I, I said, hey, like the good is that basically everything from Colorado, like you have to love all those things, right? Uh, the bad is that it's only a one goal, it's only a one goal game. You dominate a team in a period that much, uh, and getting out of it just up one nothing, not enough. It's you're not you're enough. you're happy, but you're not thrilled. Yeah, McKinnon had as many shots on goal himself. Yeah, as more a stars team. McKinnon had seven. Dallas had six. Crazy how that was happening in the first period. I mean, Dallas just didn't belong on the ice with the first period avalanche, top to bottom, period. Um, Yeah. I think, can we play the first goal? I I guess we'll play it through, but it was really a beautiful goal from the abs on the power play. Yeah. Um, Nathan McKinnon does Nathan McKinnon things, but the thing is we're starting to see more and more out of the rest of that three headed monster. Oh, I forgot our first goals are for. I just didn't know when to put you in there. Oh yeah, you're good. You're good. Uh, So ranting in with the sauce past the McKinnon here, we'll we'll let it run and, and you'll see it on the replay that the sauce from ranting was absolute filth on this play, but McKinnon, the finisher again in this play, unlike Rand in the shirt I'm wearing here that you guys can't see. Uh, but McKinnon has just been an absolute machine against Dallas, putting in goals. This one was his his third goal of the series, his fourth point of the series. Dallas just does not have an answer for him, and, and that much is clear as you see the sauce there and, and the shot beautifully into the top corner from McKinnon. Again, in a game where if the result didn't go the Avs' way, the three-headed monster did everything right. So it's it's hard to argue with the Avs' best players in this series. Uh, yeah, I mean McKinnon's been insane, man. I don't. We don't even really need to say much more on it than that. McKinnon's been insane. Miko's been better. Um, Landeskog was. I thought he was okay today. A, a lot better. More consistent, one, I would but, say, but yeah, I really, I, I don't have any problem with them. You, you again, take, I'm not taking the top yeah, line and acting right. and acting like this. That's the problem here. Take the top line and put that off over to the side and be like, y'all good. Don't even worry about it. That is, of course, why we gave Nathan McKinnon once again the DraftKings King of the Game. Pretty straightforward on this one. Um, he yeah. was involved in both of the Avs goals. He's been involved in every single Avs goal in this series. He is the leading scorer in the NHL playoffs, despite the Avs struggles against Dallas in this series. So he is everything he's billed as and more. 
so far with the goal, the shot, the the assist, eight shots in the game. The Avs' top players certainly deserved better in this game, to say the least. But it is what it is. Nathan McKinnon by himself, the top line by themselves. Not enough to get the job done tonight. And that, frankly, comes down to the second period. I don't think the Avs were the worst team in this game. <laughs> uh, right. What was Kevin Connaughton played perfectly fine in this game? I don't. I don't have anything against him. Uh, none of the goals were on him. He had plenty of shots on goal in a system that was firing shots through the defense. So, no arguments with Kevin Connaughton in this game. I don't think playing. I don't know if he was their best defenseman, but it doesn't matter who you put in that role. I don't think it changes this game at all. So. Yeah. I mean, you can't. There was. Kevin Connaughton didn't do anything today. That will that will take him out of the lineup. I mean. It, yeah, I agree. Why We're starting with stuff that doesn't matter. I that's, like Nathan, Nathan McKinnon and company were the, the, that was the, they were the best line. They dominated again and even strength. They dominated again on the power play in the first half of the game, which we'll get to Kevin, Kevin Connaughton was fine. I mean, like just... Kevin, Kevin, Kevin Connaughton was fine. I had no complaints about it. Uh, my biggest concerns about Connaughton are defensively and he didn't do anything tonight that made me feel bad. Okay. Um, I, there Kevin Connaughton will play uh, in game three and deservedly so. Yep. I He wasn't even minus in the game. So I don't, I don't see any problems with Connaughton at all. I don't think he's even a story in this game. He existed and that was that. Um, the Av story, though, was they first got up 2 nothing in this game off of another brilliant play from McKinnon. We have goal number two setting up Miko Rand. And on the power play again, the Avs special team started off this game extremely strong, and realistically, this should have been the Avs in complete cruise control from here on out. Halfway through the second period, McKinnon just dunks on people, feeds Rantanen, and Rantanen finally finishes one from the circle where we've seen him either just straight up pass up the shot or fire it right into the goalie's chest, basically all playoffs long. So... It's, I mean, up until this point in the game, this wasn't even a close game. The Avs were completely destroying Dallas. Dallas had a little bit of pushback at the start of the second period, but they didn't have anything to show for it. The Avs go up 2-0, and the Avs are feeling great at this point in the game. I, let me, let me ask you it this way, AJ, what, could the Avs have done better up to that point? Score more goals. Okay. That, that, that's all you got? Yeah, that's really it. What else are you going to complain about? They were playing they were playing a dominant game. You yep. know, they 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 were at the time officiating hadn't taken over. It hadn't hadn't become the star of the show. Um they were they were the better team. They were outplaying Dallas in every facet. Uh the Stars hadn't shown up yet. They didn't, you know, the Avs showed up and jumped all over them. Got a got a two nothing lead, and they should have been in total cruise control from there. They should have they should have they should have geared it down into that kind of into that kind of low event. Lucky, yeah. 
you know, to change, change, but it's just not really who they are. You know, it's just, it's, it's just not really who they are and expecting them to expecting them to do that would be unfair of me. Um, they, they, I gotta stop reading this. Um, they, they just, they didn't handle the moment. Well, they were up, they were up to nothing. They were on their way to tying the series and, you know, their, they, their lack of goals uh, at even strength starting to stand out. And the, and the fact that in, in two games, uh, five goals, none of them have come from anybody other than the top line. You got two full games of that now. Zero goals from the bottom nine. And I believe McCarr got a point in this game. But yeah. the Avs are not getting production of their defense either in a system where I believe Evan tweeted it out. Both Connaughton and... I'm not sure if it was Cole or, or someone else, but had seven shots on goal apiece or something like that, where the Avs are firing pucks from the perimeter on these defensemen, and they have nothing to show for it. Yeah, Kanan had four shots on goal. Graves had three. Cole had two. Okay, Actual so, shots on goal, not shot attempts. So, sure. Either way, you're talking about nine shots of the Avs, 40 in this game, coming from guys that, I mean, let's be honest, you're not expecting to score on those shots. Right. And uh, what he was talking about is that Colorado tonight, Nathan McKinnon had 12 shot attempts. Miko Rantanen had 10. And this is where you go. To, this is where you run into a serious problem. Kevin Connaughton had eight. Ryan Graves had eight. Sam Gerard had six. And then you have Landis Cog, Kadri, Nachushkin, Donskoy, Burakovsky, et cetera, et cetera, all the way down. Matt Nieto with the only, with the only forward uh, who didn't attempt a single shot all game. Yeah, but you have your top line, and then you have three defensemen, and then you have your depth forwards after them. So just not enough production of opportunities to shoot the puck, even, from the Avs' depth forwards. Yeah, um, just didn't they just haven't played well. Um, when we came into the series, we said, hey, look, we like we like Colorado's top line. They have the advantage. There was a reason for that. They've shown that. We liked Colorado's depth. Kadri being Kadri, you know, uh, at this point in their careers, you'd probably take him over a guy like Joe Pavelski. Um, I mean, but but even then, if, even if you were to call them a wash, getting into the other, Burkowski had a 20-goal season, you know? Um, you're expecting a hell of a lot more from, from Burkowski. You're expecting a hell of a lot more from Jonas Donskoy. You went out and got those guys. They had good years. They and had they, good productive years, and then all the and, and they were fine against Arizona. They've been fine in the round robin. A little bit of up and down, but you know they're not top players. You expect some of that. It's Burakovsky had like six points through the Arizona series in the round. Yeah, round. he was fine. And now Burakovsky, particularly and to a lesser extent Kadri, especially, have just completely disappeared. Yeah, well, and and Jonas Donskoy has looked awful mm-hmm. in both games. I mean, he's looked awful in yep. both games, and. You're talking, okay, well, all right, well, let's keep on going down the line. You know, well, they've been losing, so there's they're not putting out their fourth line with 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 Belmar Nemesnikov and uh and Nieto, thank you. On any given day. Yeah. yeah, like they're not, you know, Nemestikov kind of moved around a little bit. And again, Nemestikov, total no show again. Yep. Uh did not do anything. Got got moved up next to Jostin Comfer in this one. Couldn't couldn't have told you that there was any difference there. Um there Nichushkin, were Nichushkin was better, but we're talking about better being relative to awful. 
I mean, I'm I'm trying to picture a quality scoring chance for the Avs bottom six in this game, and I just I'm struggling to find even one. No, the only one the only one that I remember in games one and two was uh, the Joe's yeah. tip right in front and from in game one. There was a great that's pass it. to the middle, and that's the only one. Yeah. And it being Nachushkin from Jost, of course, or uh, right. Jost from Nachushkin, of course it didn't go in. So a, The least amount of finish in the world, maybe. On I guess you add Nino, yeah. and you get the least amount of finish in the world. On that yeah, level. definitely. <laughs> uh, you know, and they're, of course you're missing Matt Calvert. Matt Calvert's a heart and soul guy for you, and he's he's a guy with a little bit of skill that does it. But if Matt, if Matt Calvert's the difference between you running over Arizona and being – on the verge of getting blown out by Dallas. Dallas, Right. It's not, if Matt Matt Calvert's that difference, that's a really big problem. Either that or Matt Calvert is significantly underpaid. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, you're you're right. JT Conver did have a chance late in the second period. He had a, he had a good look there. Yep. With a couple seconds left. Yeah. Right. That's a good call. Yep. And then Kudo and made that's a great it. save on it. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, that's it. And like Anton Kudo, we were worried about Ben Bishop. Anton Kudobin's been fine in this series. I don't think he's been great. I, he's been fine. And like, he's been what I think he is. He's he's a solid NHL goaltender. Um, He should not be. It's. I mean, he's given up five goals in two games. Let's not act like this guy's been playing right. spectacular. And he knew he knows it too. He he is shaking in his britches when McKinnon is walking in on him. When McKinnon hit a post in the second period, like Kudobin knew he just beat him clean. Like he thought that puck was in the net, and then he just got lucky and it hit the well, ball. And, and that's the that's the part of that sequence that gets lost in the whole fiasco of the second period, yeah. which I know we're about to get into. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so exactly. We'll get to uh, it. I'll save it. Yeah, definitely a good save there. We'll take our first period break. Time to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNBR Avalanche. Kind of being a little wonky with my green screen. But the Avalanche Amber here, games like these make me want to drink, for sure. I, I pour one out for your homies, drink one down to to quell the pain. Whatever you got to do, get it done for you. Yeah, I I don't disagree too much with the Evan. I think they, they've been trying to feed the wrong defenseman quite a bit, but... That's another problem that we'll deal with in the later in the show if we if we feel like it. Right now, I just need a drink. That's the way things go. And of course, we also have to acknowledge WGT Golf, our official new gaming sponsor. If you want to blow off some steam from this game, go and hack it up on the digital golf course with us. Just closed up our tournament from last weekend, but we have tournaments every single weekend. Three different clubhouses with 250 members each. Be sure to get into DNVR3 before that fills up. Go to dnvrgolf.com to download and join the fam today with WGT Golf. We play all the time. I already mentioned the tournaments, but we can also play match play, stroke play. You can challenge anyone you want, anytime, any day. Over 20 million players around the world. So it's a ton of fun. A whole lot more fun than you're feeling right now after this Avs game. That's for sure. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. All right, let's let's get into it. Second period of the game. Obviously, the Avs looked great at first. They get that second goal off of the nice play. But for what was essentially an eight-minute stretch, and I want to I want to start by saying this. The abs benefited from calls in this game as well. They had like eight power plays. Of yeah, course they did. They benefited plenty, but 
for no apparent reason, after calling minimal power plays for the entire first period and most of the first half of the second, the refs decided that they had whistles again and just started calling everything. So what uh, what do you do as an NHL player if the refs set a standard in the p- first period of the game and then that standard just completely changes halfway through the game? I don't I don't know how you can play correctly as an NHL player when the situation arises that all of a sudden things they weren't calling they just start calling. You're going to end up taking penalties because of that. And this again the Avs got more power plays out of this, and there were certainly some penalties on Dallas that you look at that and go, what the hell? So what are these refs doing? I think Good question, face, man. I think your face says it all. I mean, not, not only do we have to ask that question to the void uh, because they refuse to make NHL officials accountable for any of this by having them answer post-game questions... Um, it's it's funny how every every single person involved in pro sports has to answer for what they do, except for the umpires, the referees, the officials, all these guys. They don't ever have to answer any questions. They don't ever have to do anything. Their only accountability is when the NHL pulls them from, from a series and says, oh, can't do that anymore. But otherwise, hey, you know, guys, you know, you know, you, did you know that linesmen make $400,000 a year when they, uh, the guys that, 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 go to the cup finals and there's a system in place basically to back them up and say, look, this is every time you get it wrong. And that's on the coaches to figure it out. Yeah. It's a good limit, man. I just fun fact. I was just, I'm just thinking that's wild. And (laughs) that's a, that's a, that's a great living given that like everybody hates you, of course, because you're, you're wearing in a, an official, an official's Jersey. And so nobody likes you automatically and you're always wrong about everything. But when there's no accountability for every time you screw up, other than gee golly, you feel bad that day, like what does it matter? You cash you, you those 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 clowns tonight got to cash their checks and they're going to go back to their hotel rooms feeling just fine. You think they're going to watch the replay of any of this? Do you think do you think they're going to go back and go through any of this? Maybe maybe they care. Who knows? But it's not us because there's no accountability for any of us. Yeah. And I think more than anything else, that's my that's my biggest problem with this whole thing is that I can freely skip all of the, the post-game Zoom calls tonight because I know that there's not going to be anything other than the abs are going to be upset about officiating. Dallas is going to say, LOL, life is hard. We're not apologizing. And then the officials won't be within 100 miles of that thing. So that's my that's really where my frustration is because they absolutely had an impact on the game. They yeah. changed the course of that game. You you call Sam Gerrard from center ice. You call Sam Gerrard for hooking on a play in which it was such a good hook that it prevented the guy from not at all. It prevented him not at all from getting a quality shot on goal anyway. We have this clip, the GG clip anyway, if we want to play it. And, and yeah, we can, we can talk up. over it. There's even yeah, more to this. I mean, like, here's Gerard's right hook. there. He still gets a great shot on And then Corey Perry whacks at Fransos multiple times before the scrum begins. And you see Corey Perry going in and just... Fransos clearly has control of the puck. 
Corey Perry takes a chop at him, and then a scrum comes up. And out of out of this play, the only penalty you call is Sam Gerrard. There's no matching minor for Corey Perry after an in- season after season after season. We see this happen, and they always match it up when those yeah. scrums happen. Well, and that's the this is the problem. They called that a slash on Gerrard. Which it clearly was You know why? Because he couldn't see it. Yep. Because the guy at center ice has to see physically through those dudes' bodies in order to see the stick on stick there. He can't physically, on this plane of existence, see that call that he's making. He can't see it. He thinks he sees something going into it and calls it, and he's not correct. It's garbage. Even if you were the guy that says, oh, well, by the strictest letter of the law, that is a slash or a hook or whatever, fine. Put Gerard in the box. Then how does Corey Perry stay out of the box? Yep. How do you then follow that up with that level of inconsistency? It's insane. How do you do that? How do you not make that call? Especially when you go in, but you go back and you look at that Calgary uh, Dallas series and you see the way that Milan, they went way over the top to try and protect the goaltender because of what Milan Lucic did where he pushed a dude into it. And they were like, oh, got to put him in there, right? Like, whatever. Okay, you guys are going to protect the goalies like that? Fine. I'm a big advocate for player safety. I don't mind you guys protecting players. Okay, great. Where are you protecting Pavel Francouz? Where the hell are you are you protecting him? Like in what in what way are you are you setting any kind of standard and then turning around and being like it's totally cool man slash away dog? What the hell are you doing? This is literally your one job. You're on the ice to do exactly this and nothing else. What what are you doing? Okay? All right, fine. They just they go on the power play. Yep. All right, now you got to kill it. All right, cool. They fail to get it out. And this is and this is what's so frustrating is that it's not just the refs and it's not just the abs. It was it was it was a tag team, it was a tag team effort for them to derp their way through this thing because they can't get the puck out. And then Ian Cole goes and it's a stupid, it's a stupid cross check to the back of Joe Pavelski. It's stupid. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know of any other word to describe it. It's dumb. Now, how on the on the other side of that. You see that you see guys get cross-checked in the back like that no less than 25 times a game. And the the standard for actually calling it is completely all over the board. Sometimes it gets called, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you go 5 games without seeing it, sometimes you'd see it 3 times in one game. It is completely random. Completely all over the board. It was a dumb thing to do. It was completely random. It was also it was also on the guy who has been going down at every single instance of contact, trying to draw calls for two games. These are the same, the same officiating crews are working all the games in the West. So they have been, they have been officiating Joe Pavelski's nonsense since round Robin started round Robin and qualifying round and all that they've seen. They've everybody's seen all these crews. They know they even had Joe Pavelski go down a couple times early in the game and they didn't call it. It's, and then they go and they call this one already on a power play. They see this one and that arm goes up and you're like. That's that's where it gets me hard is you let this call go all game long and you decide to call it in a situation where it gives Dallas a five on three. 
this is from the same league, the same refs that you get into the third period and all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, we don't want to affect the game anymore. We don't want to change the outcome. You're screwing up the outcome already by making these calls in the second period and giving Dallas all the momentum in the world, completely flipping this game on its head on a play that happens every single game and you don't call it. That is completely at the ref's discretion to call that penalty and they call it at random. And then and then Colorado's PK, which had been so good this entire time, completely falls just, apart. Just falls apart. I, and this is where this is where as a goaltender, Pavel Francos drives me crazy because when the puck is in his feet, he is ultra scrambly and it's just like it's pure panic for him. Well, it's so- pure panic. It's it's very scrambly, and he's just not a very big guy. He's not like Ben Bishop, who kicks out one of those pterodactyl wings, and he covers half the net. He's got to know where the puck is. He has to track the puck better to make up for his lack of size. He just has to, and he didn't do it on either one of those goals as they just banged it home in front. The defense did him no favors. He did himself no favors, and the refs did the abs dirty as dirty gets. So we have the Cole penalty here if you want to look at it. And if anyone anyone who watches hockey should know that this play is absolutely – it happens all the time, especially in this area of the ice. See in the background there. Cole just – Look at that. Look at it. Yeah. Super light cross-check to the back right in front of the net. I guarantee if Wazowski I feels it and, and goes down and like he, he's been sniped he in the back. back. And I guarantee if you go back and look through this game, not even lying to you, you will find that play happen in that exact part of the ice at least five to ten other times in this Absolutely. game. Absolutely. And and Evan's right in the in the comments that a valet like Cole has to know. He does. It was stupid. It was a stupid thing to do. But you don't you don't call you don't you don't officiate a game. You don't you don't manage a game as an officiating crew based on what's smart and what's stupid. You based on what is and what is it. And here is where the NHL gets into trouble with this, I think. If you call that every single time, then you call it every single time. And the players just stop doing it. But when you set a standard, particularly with the NHL and the playoffs, where they set a standard that they call stuff less, you have to do that as an NHL team. Dallas absolutely did it in this game. They got away with a ton of stuff. They also got called for a ton of stuff because if you're not trying to get away with stuff, you're going to get outplayed. And when you take a bad call, sometimes it's just bad luck because the refs decided to call that one. And that's terrible. I hate it. Yeah, I hate it too. I think it's garbage, man. I think it's those guys inserting themselves into the game. I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say that they want the attention. They want to be on TV or that they're in somebody's pocket. That's all that conspiracy theory nonsense that never ends up being true, except in the NBA. So I'm not I'm not going to entertain any of that. It's just... The reality is it's a very hard job, and a lot of people yeah. are bad at it. Like... <laughs> it's exactly. They're just, they're just not... They're not very good. And you know, it's... When, when you watch enough hockey, you start to figure out who guys are. And anytime that Francois Saint Laurent uh, officiates a game... I, it's like it's like for me it's like it's like chewing glass because this guy the, the the guy's awful he's downright incompetent he's one of the he's one of the worst human beings at his job at any profession on the planet it's unbelievable how incompetent the guy is and he's he's in the he's officiating in the second round of the playoffs it's 
banana pants how bad that guy is at his job. Yeah. I and boy, what a surprise that a game in which Francois Saint Laurent is is officiating that in the post game we are forced to, to talk about officiating. Yeah. And I hate it. I hate it because know. you know what? The yeah. abs the abs could have killed that five on three off and we would have been like, woohoo, boy, the abs did a great job there. Resiliency and toughness and mental fortitude and blah 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 blah. Instead, changed the entire course of everything. They didn't kill it. They got put in a bad spot. They weren't able to kill it. And there, here's where we are. Yeah. So that's what it comes it's, down to. It the sucks. Five, the five on three, Dallas scores on easily. They get a cross-ice pass. Francois had no chance on it. But getting back to your your point where this conversation kind of started, Francois scrambling net front, uh, a big, big problem on Dallas's second goal, on the on the second part of the power play, five on four. Uh, we have, Dallas has control of the puck in the offensive zone, and eventually it just goes net front, and it's a complete scramble from everyone, not just the Avs defense, but Francois himself. I believe he actually makes three saves initially before the puck gets fired in um, by Foxa, and there's just no rebound control there at all it's just mass chaos from Francois in front yeah you'd love to see the defenseman help bail him out on the rebounds there but all he has to do is kick one off to the corner and that situation is completely diffused right it's not a situation where you're super duper expecting your defenseman to fully bail out Francois there he has chances to cover it he has chances to clear it one shot there a second one off of Zadora there and a third one he makes the save and because he's scrambling off to the side, to the to the right side, he's out of position for, for anything following up and, and can't even cover the puck. I mean, this is the best chance he's ever going to have to prove he's a starting goaltender. We're a game and a half into it, and he's not anywhere yeah. close. And he got four goals dropped on him in this game, two goals in a period and a half in, no. in game one. And I certainly wouldn't say that this is all Pavel Francis's fault. No, of course it isn't. I mean, it, it rarely ever is a game solely on a goaltender. Yeah. You have you got you got a bunch of teammates in front of you all night, but through through a game and a half, he hasn't done anything. And yeah, I I agree. We'll look at it a little bit later when we get to the Stars' fourth goal. I would like goal. to point out that we have a Stars fan on YouTube that uh, rolled into our rolled into our video from the last time. And thinks that he's dunking on me, but he's taking his time to watch my show. So I appreciate you for watching. Thanks for the um, view, fam. Thanks, dog. You're gonna help me keep paying my rent. Appreciate so. it. The so that ties the game up too, too, right? And and here's where the game just falls off the rails. The refs continue making calls. The Avs get their opportunity. They get a 57 second five on three. It was so awful. Their five on three was and. It's it's wild because you watch the biggest the biggest thing that when you watch the first two power play goals, look where Nathan McKinnon is. Yep. And then you watch the five on three and look where he is. He's in the same pot. He's in the same spot the entire time. Yep. You watch you watch where he is on the power plays later on in the game. Same 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 spot the yep. entire time. You watch him where he is on the two goals. He's in different spots. He's Crazy moving around. Moving and moving your feet works on the power. Well, and like he's moving and that's who they're defending. Yep. Like no offense to Landis Gog and Kadri and Kale McCarr. Like they're looking they're for not, McKinnon. Yeah. They're defending Nathan McKinnon. And when he was moving around, so was their PK unit. And they were able, they were able to get them to open up the, the lanes and then boom. 
And you know, they get they get two goals. They stop doing that. I don't know why that is. I don't know if that's coaching. I don't know if that's players. I don't know where. I can't tell you the different. I can't tell you where the coaching ends and the playing starts on that situation. I just don't know. So, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. But you can you can point directly to his lack of movement, his lack of movement, and their stagnation as a, as, as a difference between successful power play in the game, unsuccessful power play in the game. And then later on in the third period, Dallas did it. Just, they just did a great job of denying zone entries. Yep. When you deny entries, guess what? Hard to produce any offense. You're not going to shoot the puck. Like that's the, that's the key. That's the key to a good PK. You win a face off. You get one clear. You don't let them get set up the rest of the time. You play two minutes denying that. Awesome. But go ahead. The thing the thing about the second period for me though is it was a 2-2 game. The ref decided to give the power plays back to the Avalanche basically. Um and they failed to score on the 5 on 3, but like 5 seconds afterward, McKinnon walks in, beats Kudobin clean. Yep. And like the reaction from Kudobin is even like, "Oh my god, Nathan McKinnon just beat me again." And then it hits the post, hits the crossbar, and and goes out. And the Avs don't score. And yeah. and the bounce didn't go the Avs' way all of a sudden. In in a game that was yeah. two nothing is now two two. The bounce didn't go the Avs' way. Well, and then and then this isn't even a oh Dallas knows how to play the Avs or uh, Dallas did something right or a Dallas did whatever. They they throw a puck across in front yeah. of the net, which every team does four hundred times a game. The puck hits a stick, bounces up, hits a guy in the shoulder. And then flutters over Pavel Franco. I can't unmute AJ. I thought I could unmute him when I play the clip, but I can unmute me. It's fine. There you go. Although I don't. I mean, what do you? What the hell do you say about yeah. this? It's just stupid. Well, I'm just trying to play it while you're describing it because there is like it literally just nothing into the net. I mean, look, look at Jared Bender's like. Are you? Are you serious with this? Yeah. Sometimes fate just doesn't want you to win a hockey game because like this is this is all fine defense. There, yeah. There's nothing that you would change about this. They did everything right. They broke up the play that was dangerous and it hit off Radulov's shoulder and bounced up over Francois into the far side of the net. Like Like he whiffs because the puck gets deflected by Gerard. That's a good play by Gerard. Radulov will literally never score a goal like that again in the rest of his life. Ever. It, it was like the goal that Arizona scored against Nashville that went off Duchesne that was going yeah, 15 feet right. wide. Exactly. It goes off his shoulder and flies into the net, and you're like, what in the world? <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I, don't know, I don't know what you say about that one. And then it, that's the most deflating thing at all. And yep. that, if, if I'm going to have a, a criticism of Jared Bednar, it's that you call a timeout right there. Yep. Get your you team call on, your timeout. on the even keel. You, you call your timeout and you you bring them in and you say, look, I, I know we've had this conversation and I know I normally trust you guys to do this, but to be honest with you, we're just going to take a breather here. They could talk. Jared Bednar could read out the freaking McDonald's menu if he wanted to during those 30 seconds. I don't care, but that's where I would say call a timeout, bring your team in and just let them breathe for a minute and then tell them and say, hey, what's done is done. Get back to work. Right. Big Mac, quarter pounder with cheese, chicken nuggets. Straight up. <laughs> Frosty. He be, like, I don't that, – that dude is super, super jacked. <laughs> and so I doubt he's ever eaten at McDonald's. But, like, if he's reading that menu, 
there's a possibility he finds something that's a very big surprise for him. He's like, oh wow, this this like two for four menu is crazy. This <laughs> fast food fast food's got some bargains going on. Is this is this why is this why poor people always eat here? Is because they're just giving you pounds of food, and it would yeah. be more productive than what they did. True enough. True enough. It's it, it's tough, and even with all of that. Even the abs aren't getting the bounces, the nonsense of the second period with calls going both ways that are absurd. The abs are still in this as a 3-2 game. And then... I do like the idea of Jared Bednar with an apple pie addiction. (laughs) He rolls up to the McDonald's window and is like, yo, can I just get 15 apple pies? I think that's really funny. <laughs> that next to the denim daddy can be the next oh thing that we God. randomly obsess over. Perfect. I'm okay with that one. I love apple McDonald's apple pies. I've actually I can't say I've ever had one. They're, really They're good. so good. I'm right. told I like that one better than yeah. than the denim denim daddies. That was my order for a long time. Two double cheeseburgers, two apple pies, and a small fry from McDonald's. There you go. All right. Get Should on we- it. You were you were queuing up the six goals. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I was. I mean. So there's a lot that goes into this. Number one, it's a critical mistake from the abs. <sighs> Don Skoy gets a shot blocked and then loses the race back for the puck and falls down. Gives up a quality opportunity. He just does. So I wish we had a little bit save. earlier because we don't. Unfortunately. That failure. That failure started before that. It did. Sam Gerard needs to shoot the GD puck. Um, Jonas Donskoy, honestly, him even just chipping it into the corner is obviously a better play than that. Yep. Total lack of situational awareness. Um, whatever. So it falls apart, and then he loses the race. And all of this is bad, but Franco still makes the initial save, and then he just falls over? Yeah, what the hell? What is this attempt at a save? Right. Like, what is he doing there? He makes the initial save, and you just hug the post, and this puck never goes in the net, but he just falls over. And then and then Dan O'Rourke is in the corner deciding to call that a goal because that's how Lindell celebrated. Because once again, there is no physical way on this plane of existence that the guy could see that puck go into that. Now, he ended up being right. It went in, I think. I, I'm... 99% sure the puck yeah. went in the net. Sportsnet produced an angle where it, it sure looks like it goes into the net. Uh, but you even even if you blow up the image that they uh, of the screenshot that they sent out, you first of all, you can't see the goal line, clearly. You don't know where the goal line stops because there's two sticks and pads and a puck in there. And so you're not 100% sure where the puck is in relation to the goal line because you can't really tell the difference between all the different things. Once again, the NHL's insistence on using the first camera ever made to yeah. make these decisions is super questionable. But in the at the end of the day, I think they got this call right, and I'm less upset about it um, having seen that angle and seen that. So- Pretty sure that's a goal. But... At the end, yeah, I, I'm i sorry to cut you off, but while yeah. I do believe this was probably a goal, I think there are serious issues here. One, how can you physically call that a goal on the ice? How can you That's possibly call that a goal on the ice? 
maybe there is yeah. an angle where the refs can say, okay, it was definitely a goal. We can overturn this, but there's no way they're overturning the goal stands on the ice call. Once he calls it, there's just no way that they could possibly overturn it. So if he calls it a 100%. no goal, they probably don't overturn it the other way. And number two, at what point are they just shoving Francois into the net? There? Yeah. At what point does goalie interference come into play? A totally fair question. Um, we uh, goaltender interference is another one of those things that they have moved the target on so much that experienced hockey people have no idea. Yeah, you're you might as well flip a coin. So, um, I, I think that it definitely should have been no goal on the ice because, again, there's just no way he could have seen it. Yep, the official is not in a position to have seen it because the only camera angle that was able to produce it was was one super high on up and really, really far away, which is the exact angle, the exact opposite of the angle of where the goal, where the referee was standing. There's just no way. And then they could have reviewed it. And then if they felt that that was compelling enough evidence, then, then, then they could have called it a goal on the ice and then we would all move on. It's fine. I wouldn't have had it, but even when these guys get it right, they get it wrong and yep. it was garbage. And exactly. like, and like same Gerard and Jonas Donskoy. So such Sam Gerard has got to stop. He, I, I'm, I'm shocked that he is hundreds of games into an NHL career, and he continues to just skate right into into people with the puck. Yep, he skates right into angles that cut off his own options for moving the puck, and it drives me crazy. And nobody respects him shooting it. He's gotten multiple. They've, they've scored multiple times in the last two weeks because Sam Gerard just fired pucks. Just shoot it, dude. Even if it doesn't get through, you're better off shooting it than all this dancing around, all this nonsense. And then Jonas Donsko, I don't know what the hell that was. It was atrocious. Lost a foot race to Essa Lindell. Are you serious? And then everything from there is bad. The Gerard doing the EJ slide around on the ice like a fish thing. It's bad. It's so bad. Yep. And then they get unlucky. Like, And that, that was kind of it. They played. They they did bad things, and then they got unlucky on top of it. And you're just like, well, uh, the way the, I star, put, the stars pounced, and yeah, that, that's the way I put this game. There was, and seven minutes in the second period, and honestly, it wasn't even seven consecutive minutes because the Avs had the power plays in the middle there, where the Avs got outplayed in this game, and the Avs could not buy a single bounce, and the Stars capitalized and capitalized and capitalized and capitalized. And they ended up with four goals in the net where the abs couldn't buy a bounce. And they only ended up with two that they had to earn on the power play. I mean, this is, this is after I, let's get to the third period because Colorado Raptors. Now the United States rugby down at infinity park. They are now the place to go for the entire country. When it comes to rugby hosting both men's and women's 15 teams for team America. So jump on in on it. Colton Strickler, our reporter here at DNVR is taking you inside the locker room, giving you all behind the scenes, everything you can get when it comes to rugby here in the U S if you're new to it, he even has one one pods as well. So you can jump into those and learn rugby for yourself. Because you can go see some of the best rugby in the entire world now, just 
here in Colorado. Head on down to Infinity Park in Glendale when things do start opening up again and all of that because it's going to be a blast. Of course, we even have watch parties now at the DNVR bar of past games. We had some last weekend that were super fun. Highly recommend you check those out as well. Be sure to give the DNVR rugby account a follow over on Twitter and be sure to check out all of the podcasts that Colton does interviewing a ton of players. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. As we kind of start to wind this game down, as far as the third period of the game is concerned, Dallas played how Dallas wants to play. They got their two-goal lead. They sludged the game up. The Avs just couldn't break them. Uh, yeah, this is where this is where Dallas is excellent, um, yeah. is that when they get a lead, they go into the third period, they shift it into a very low-event game, and they they put teams away. They're, they're one of the best in the league at this exact thing. And that's that. I mean, the abs, this isn't, this isn't a Dallas a thing that's unique to Dallas uh, in that Colorado was one of the worst comeback teams in the NHL all season long. They weren't yep. any good at it. They, that they, that they did it to St. Louis in the first game of the round Robin was kind of shocking. I mean, <laughs> They're just they're not very good at it. Like this is that's not what they do. Um they they're not it's weird because you would think that a high scoring team uh a high scoring team would be more dangerous in the third period, but they're just they're just not. Yep. And and Dallas did whatever they wanted to do. They were in no danger. If you look at if you purely looked at at, at shots and and uh scoring chances and all that, it looked like Colorado had a fine third period. They didn't. There was a total lack of urgency. They had two power plays that did nothing. Um, the stars, the stars just geared it down, and it didn't matter what it looked like. They shifted into the perfect turtle. Yep. And that was that. Like you're going to give up. You know, the Avs had 16 shot attempts that period. They had one high danger chance, only four scoring chances. That like right. you're 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 not you're not coming back from a, any kind of a deficit when when you're allowing yourself to get played into that kind of a spot. Dallas will take that all day. Watching Kevin Cannot and fire pucks from the point is yeah. is a one defense from Dallas. Like yeah, they're like, oh, you're gonna take the you're gonna take the shot that we absolutely want you to take. Great. Yep, we'll take our chances. If you guys beat us with triple tips. So be it. Then, then you beat us, but we'll take our chances. And, you know, the abs didn't even come close to scoring. So um, you can't you can't go into third periods down against the Stars. You just right. can't. There's no they're reason. Just too, they're just too good at erasing any and all offense. You have to you have to get the Stars chasing because that's where they're 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 not anywhere near as good. And we saw that in the first half of the game when the abs were doing whatever the hell they wanted. And and then they and you know the special teams evened it up, and you know Dallas gets a comical bounce, and then they they bang home a a questionable uh, questionable puck, and here we are. Hey, it's the playoffs, man. These are the things that happen when you're in a best of seven. This is this is what happens. You're you're susceptible. It's why you can't give away a game like you did in game one, where you just didn't come out and compete because your margin of error gets that much smaller. And now now you've pissed off the hockey gods in this one. And I don't I don't I don't care if you're the Stars fan who keeps paying my bills or if you're if you're a diehard Avs fan. It doesn't matter. 
Yep. You have to you have to at least admit that that luck certainly favored favored Dallas in this one to a significant degree. That Alexander Radulov game-winning goal is nothing but a fluke on either side. There's nothing there's nothing you can do about that. You just take you just take it. And now and now Colorado's deep in deep deep trouble because now you have to try and win four games against a team that's got all the confidence in the world given how things turned out against Calgary and they feel like they just took your best punch and survived it pretty easily. So, you know, now what do you do? Let's let's ask the question. I certainly know my answer. AJ, I think I know your answer too, but is this series over? No, of course not. Yeah. There's a long way to go yet. As I said, Outside of seven minutes of pain in this one, I think the Avs were the better team. On paper, they certainly seemed to deserve the win tonight. It just didn't go their way. And AJ put it very well in saying this is why you can't throw away games, but it's still only 2 nothing. The Avs yeah. back isn't even against the wall yet. If they go out in game three and can find a way to win a hockey game, this series is far from over. So... It's the reality is the apps have made life significantly harder for themselves by not finding a way to win one of the first two, but there's a long way to go yet. So, yeah, it's fine. I mean, like the the abs are, the abs are deep in trouble. Like they've got to, they've got to flip the momentum. They've got to find a reason to feel good about themselves. They've got two days to figure it out. It's fine. Yep. Like they and and look, they either will, and then this becomes a much more interesting series, or it's three nothing, and you and I are about to, you and I are about to pack up shop and talk about yep. the draft for a month and a half. Yep. Like it's entirely it's as we've seen with this series, it's entirely up to them. Because when they've when they've gone out and they've done what they've wanted to, they've outplayed Dallas. When they haven't, Dallas has outplayed them. The team is capable. They're plenty capable. It's. Can somebody can can somebody other than Nathan McKinnon and and that line Show step up, up and, yeah. and do anything? And then even if they do, that line has been so dominant through two games. Can can that line even continue to do that? Because you know, as much as, as Dallas Dallas is going to Dallas is gonna feel like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna get home ice for the next two games. We're going to get their mat. We're going to get to match and all that. It hasn't mattered so far. Uh, if you look at the head to head, McKinnon has dominated everybody, every matchup that he's yeah, gotten I, into. I think the reality is Dallas just does not have an answer for Nathan McKinnon. And that's but. like, okay. And so far, Nathan McKinnon has popped off in this series and it hasn't mattered. Yep. So, you know, if any of the, any of the other nine forwards that are going to play on Wednesday, they need to find a way to do something more, then win a couple of puck battles and, and chip pucks and you know close to the net and have Anton could open fall on them. You, they got to create some quality quality scoring chances. They have to at least lean on the stars a little bit. We saw it in the first period a, a somewhat today, but even that was still too much of Nathan McKinnon's dominance. The reality is, this team, particularly the forward core, had a bunch of dudes who have career years. And the Avs aren't asking them to play career years in this playoff series. They're just asking them to show up. Yeah. I mean, they're asking them just to chip in. Like you're asking, you're asking, you're asking nine guys to score maybe twice for you. 
if you get one depth goal in the first 30 minutes of this game, the Avs go up 3 nothing and run away with this. It's pretty yeah. much that simple. Straight up, like you're they get they get one depth uh, contribution and then all the the 7 minutes of hell doesn't happen. Well, this is 1-1 right now. Yep. So, you know, and then and then hey, we're we're talking about we're talking about a totally different series. As it is, Colorado has to be desperate. Yeah. They have to be desperate on Wednesday. And if it, to be honest, if they're if they're not, this will be over quickly. You and I, you and I will have all oh, yeah. as frustrated as we were to have our weekends taken from us last weekend. We'll have this entire worse. weekend whatever we want. <laughs> far worse if uh, if they pack it in, especially if it's in four. I honestly, I'm I might agree with this comment. This is the winner of Game Three wins the series. I I I don't know that I would feel that strongly yeah. about if Colorado won it, but. I game. I mean, obviously, game three is going to be pivotal in the series. It has to be. Of course, yep. it's really easy for me to say that. And then Colorado goes out and win it. And then I'm like, oh, well, game four is still pivotal because well, you're down two. <laughs> like, you got to get those wins back. This is what happens when you go down in a series. All of a sudden, the next game is the most important game in the series for the yep. rest of the entire series. That's how it works because you cannot afford yep. to lose another game. Straight up. So, I mean... This is, you know, uh, this is hell for for the Avs right now. They went they went from on top of the world to hell in four days, and that's that's the playoffs. <laughs> like it, it happens is. fast. You either and and this is why you know the stars coming in the way that they did, and them getting them getting to continue that rhythm of every other day. All of that was good for them. The way that they responded against Calgary, they rode that wave. They rode it into into game one. The Avs played like garbage. The Stars kicked their ass. And, you know, and then game two, game two came out and it was like, okay, well, it's going to be a different series. Well, it is a different series. It's even more in Dallas's favor. Yep. So what are you going to do? At, at this point, you have to ask the Avs to a man, what are you going to do about it? Because they, it's up to them. But we'll see. We'll see, we'll see if the depth guys can handle any of us. Here's here's my personal silver lining on this. I believe a series like this is one that forges championship teams. Now, maybe the Avs lose it. Maybe it's not this year. Maybe it's experience they take into next year. Or maybe they do win it, and it's a confidence boost for them knowing they can come back from a 2-0 deficit. Or maybe it's somewhere down the line in a couple of years. But the abs are going to learn something about themselves in this game three. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be something. The we're going, we're going with the Kyle at the end of South park uh, take on this. Yeah, exactly. We learned something today. Don't know what it is, but we I'm learned it. That. We don't really know what's wrong with Calvert, by the way. Um, yeah. They aren't giving him, they aren't giving us updates. They he participated in warmups yeah. uh, in game one. I don't know if he did for game two, um, but they, they're not giving us any information about what's on, what's going on with Matt Calvert. They obviously need him in the lineup because Vlad Nemesnikov is not the key. He not the, he not the secret sauce. So either way, I, I, I think we're at the end of this one at this point. It's the abs put themselves in a tough spot. Some bad luck some no finish, some whatever you want to call it. At the end of the day, the Avs are down 2-0 in the series, and that's the only number that anyone's going to remember. They're going to look to come back, and I hope they do. AJ, 
any final thoughts here as as the chat continues to pop off? Um, no. All right. I mean, we've said it, man. Well, you know what we haven't said, AJ? I, I would like to say all the Stars fans giving Anton Kudobin love in our chat is awesome. <laughs> I was, I was, I was there. The fan. There's nothing closet about it. I was there for his first ever game in North America. I love Anton Kudobin. I've rooted for him his entire career. I drank, I drank beer with him when he was a Houston Arrow. Well, he didn't drink beer. You drank beer next to him. Yeah. <laughs> Close enough. It was cool. Him and him and Joel Ward and Cal Clutterbuck back in the day. The OGs. Yeah, back back in the when the arrows were good. That one time. That one time. That <laughs> one. I'm not even kidding. That yeah. one time. And then they didn't exist anymore. Okay. Cold. Dude. <laughs> Dude. Cold. You know what else doesn't exist anymore, AJ? I'm gonna go. My pubic hair. Manscaped. Oh can save my you god! From this problem. Really? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> he ooped himself there. That was awesome. That was the worst one ever. Uh, that was that awesome. Was There's like oh, no way that's the worst one. That an 11 year old is beginning to listen to the show, and you finish it like that. God, I'm out. I, I have legal <laughs> obligations to do a manscaped read, so I'm gonna have fun with it. If I'm doing it, manscaped.com, head on over there, get 20% off and free shipping. When you order your perfect package 3.0, of course, it comes with the lawnmower trimmer to take care of all of that hair. You can also get a bunch of care products as well, whether it be deodorant, whether it be breath mints, whether it be spray on toner, you name it, they have you covered. We'll see. What happens? Either way, make sure you're looking good. Get the Manscaped hype ready for Game 3. I still believe in the abs. I don't think they're going to go out quietly, to say the least. DNVR After Dark, closing up shop. I hope y'all feel a little bit better after this podcast at the very least. That's going to do it for us on the night. Thank you very much for listening, whether it be live or after the fact. And we will talk to y'all again tomorrow.